Hey everybody, this is Dario with AfterBuzz TV. Did you know that TrueCar.com is changing car buying forever? Yes, everyday TrueCar users receive negotiation-free guaranteed savings. Now, some features are not available in all states, but that's okay. In the first six months of this year, over 275,000 cars were sold by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network. TrueCar users save an average of $3,221 off of their MSRP. When you're ready to buy a car, just follow these three easy steps. First, go to TrueCar.com and find out what people pay for the car you're looking for. Then register at TrueCar.com to see upfront pricing information and lock in your savings. The third step is so simple. Just print out your TrueCar savings certificate and take it to the TrueCar certified dealer for a better, hassle-free car buying experience. Remember, everyday True Car users receive negotiation-free guaranteed savings. Save your time, save money, and never overpay. Visit TrueCar.com today. That's TrueCar.com. You're tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries. And your number one source for after-show entertainment. <laughs> TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Yeah. Welcome, After Buzzers, football fans. Monday Night Football Week 7. We have the Steelers versus the Texans. I'm your host, Christina Kaplan. I'm joined by. I am Kevin John. And I'm Steph Z in the house. Yeah. Hold on. That is swaggy Steph Z. Yeah. Come on. Swaggy Steph Z. I love our fans. They're real nice to me sometimes. I try my best. (laughs) All the time. We know Steph Steph Z is the number one on this this panel here. She's already getting texts from fans right now. Oh, God. Come on. I'm not. Let's go back to football. It was an awesome game tonight. Yeah. It was super fun. Um, Yes. Like I said, Texans versus Steelers. Steelers won 32-23. So, I was not right in my prediction. I took I was taking the Texans. Oh, yeah, I can see um, the yeah, yeah, can we go back and verify who said who again? I'm, um, I'm coming. No. Nah. Well, by the way you're saying it, I'm guessing you picked the freaking Steelers, right? Well, you know, I just, I'm just, I'm just can curious. We go back? Wait, actually, no, go back. actually, let me just um we need to make a little mention of the uh, slaughtering that happened this weekend and Peyton Manning setting the new record for touchdown passes with 509, passing up Brett Favre, and on his way, murdering the 49ers. <laughs> murdering. I like, I like how you added in the, mur- murdering. the annihilation of the Niners. Yes. Yeah. Well, let me say this about my Niners, okay? Uh, you, wait, 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 wait. Before you say it, I texted Kevin that day and I said, yikes. And he said, we're a second half team. <laughs> and then the second half, they just... Sure. You know what? You know what? Though? That is true. That is oh, very true. I can verify that. But you got to realize the Niners—they knew the historic <laughs> moment of that day. Oh, so they just let—they understood the okay. prestige behind that award. They could have the scored Niners, one more touchdown, and he still would have got it. They wanted to be very humble. 
Not, you know, their kids are watching, yeah. and they wanted to put on a good message for the kids and say, totally. "Look, when somebody is winning a coveted award or a let record, him, let them win by twenty-five you points." You know, and that's all the Niners were doing. I mean, they could have easily came and ruined Peyton's parade, but you know what? They weren't going to do that. They were going to be respectful. And when they meet up, if they meet up with the Broncos in the Super Bowl again this year, they will absolutely demoralize, destroy, and. Eat them. See, at so. least I can take it when we lose. You can't take it, can you? Because, no, I'm saying this. Okay, am I taking it first week. of all? We got PSU huh? Yeah, we that have another. True. We have another exciting true. point for our Jets fan here. Yeah. But I want to know what you how you, what you think of this because let me give you a little bit of backstory that I found out is that. Percy Harvin Exclusive. got into an altercation I heard with this. Golden yeah. Tate and Russell Wilson. His bad attitude. Yes. And, you know, apparently he didn't make a lot of friends in the locker room. He didn't know a lot of people. He yeah. came into it kind of a hard Honestly, guy to get along with. If you think about the Jets, and I love my Jets, I bleed green. I Probably never half of them. Half of them are the bad boys. But he also comes from the same area that Michael Vick came from. So that might be the key to Percy Harvin in I know, this locker I think, room. And I don't say this just because I'm from New York or because I'm from a Jets fan. I think playing for New York is a very different thing than playing for Seattle. If you think about it, just think about one of the last big things that's happened. And just follow me here for a second. All the Tim Tebow praise and the Tebowing and the this and the that. And every time he would talk at a conference, he would talk about God and stuff. And I have no problem. People can believe whatever they want. That's not what I'm trying to say. But that was when he was in Denver, they played that up to like a 10. When he, as soon as he started being interviewed in New York, that was at like a three. Like it's just a completely different thing. And the fact that he's got a bad attitude, cool, let him take it out on the field. Like I feel like in New York, like they're not scared of that. They're, if the guy can play ball, let's figure out what we need in order to play ball. If he wants to punch somebody in the locker room and they punch him back and if on the field they can play, sweet, we're happy. I can believe that's where you're coming from. And I, I admit, Percy Harvin is probably one of the most just uh, explosive, feared playmakers um, in the NFL. But you have to look at it like this as well. It's a team sport. So that that team camaraderie, that chemistry, that bond in the locker room is critical because you've seen it with star receivers who were cancers to the locker room. Terrell Owens, all right? And you, you've seen what happened to him. Great player, one of the best of all time. Randy Moss, towards the end of his career. Um, but I'm, you know, the, but I'm saying the, I just don't think it's going to fly as much there. Like, I think he's going to have a – like, he's like, I'm going to New York. So I need to like. Well, geographically, that's where he's headed. Yes, right. but also, I think it's different. I mean, we'll see. I know. And, and there's so many other factors too. Like, is he really going to make Geno Smith step up his game? Who knows? Well, that's what I'm interested to see is that dynamic between Geno and Percy because Geno's had a little bit of a hot head, you know, hot head lately. So I'm wondering. They almost beat the Pats. Well, I'm wondering what, how that dynamic is going to form. Whether it's going to be, you know, good. They're going to click and. It'll start flowing, helping their offense out, or if they're going to butt heads. The thing is, when you have somebody like Percy Harvin, who is a triple threat, I mean, he can line up anywhere. He can line up in a backfield. He can line up as a receiver. Hell, he could even do Wildcat and line up as a quarterback. So when you have somebody that is that... um Agile and that multiple threat that takes pressure off the quarterback. So Gino will be able to get in the groove, you know, throwing screens to Percy Harvin and just allowing Percy to do what he does best. So I think it's an addition to Gino Smith. I think it's an addition to the Jets. Yes. You know, um, the name the name is 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 escaping me right now. I was trying to look it up, but actually, what what I want in a perfect world would be Gino not to be able to 
show a difference now that we've got some good receivers there now. You know, like our offensive line, sure, he could have more time, whatever. We've got some good receivers there. Um, and I know we need, we want to move on, but I've heard as far as last week that the Jets are in the position maybe to get the Oregon quarterback whose, his name is escaping me. Oh, Marcus Mariota. Yes, that's exactly it. So I want Gino to suck it and then us get a new quarterback and get maybe a new coach, maybe a new general manager and fresh start. Well, you know, I'm going to take it up a step further. The latest exclusive that I heard um, as far as the Jets quarterback situation is going is, get this, coming out of retirement, Brett Favre is actually going back to the Jets to regain the record back from Peyton. True story. <laughs> it was all... It was all... No oh, way. I just want you to know see what? your expression. I'll take, I'll, take, I'll take Brown. I'll take him as a quarterback. Do you see that throw he yeah. threw today? I'll take him. I know, Tony, right? That was sweet. All right, great segue, too. Yes. Yeah, yeah so was I was I was going to say, speaking of triple threats, perfect. You know, we can talk about Antonio Brown and that outrageous play. And, Left-handed. And, yeah, and the Steelers, the Steelers also had another potentially outrageous play with that flea flicker that they attempted. It didn't work out. But I kind of love seeing those. And, and it all kind of sparked, I think, from the Seahawks St. Louis, the Seahawks Rams game, where did you see that fake where they faked him out on the punt and the guy oh, the returned yeah, yeah, returned it for a touchdown and they won. Yeah. They beat the Seahawks. Yeah. Exactly. Which is actually funny because it was I, I guess there was two fake punts if yeah. you look at it in that game. Mm-hmm. The one that the guy ran back and then the other one that the Rams had did to seal the victory at right. the end where the punter yeah. through it. But, you know, you, you see a lot of that tr- and it's with fake punts, you don't see it as much. I think the last time I saw that actually executed was with Devin Hester and the Chicago Bears about three or four years ago when he did the same thing. But it's funny because... But yeah, that was in 2011 and it got yes. but it got returned or it got yeah. reversed or whatever. There was a flag on right. it that yes, negated yes. The, the... But yeah, so and that one was executed well, but it's funny because when you're on... Because I played special teams in high school um, when I wasn't the equipment manager or the tower holder. <laughs> Um, they allowed me to play. So, you know, the thing is, when you play special teams and you do like a punt return or kickoff return, it's easy to get psyched out because it's hard for you to follow the ball. As soon as that ball snapped, you're just running and aiming to whoever the person is. So, whoever's back there that you think the ball's going to, you're running after because you can't see the ball. And it was just so well done how, um, you know, he was on the left side of the field and psyched him out. And yep. plus, Seahawks are my division rival, so I was so happy to see them, you know. Yeah. Lose in humiliating fashion. Yeah. Well, the Steelers, you know, have a slow start tonight. But I think aside from Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell was also – it was those two. They were the standouts for this team. Also, an important stat is uh, Brown has now surpassed Jordy Nelson as number one ranked um, in the NFL for receiving yards. He's got – where did I write that down? He's got a crap load of yardage that yeah. he's accumulated through the yes, years. Yes, yes. Talking well, about the Steelers, too, while you find that, let's talk about Bryant. Rookie boy. You see that great, his first catch yeah. in the NFL is his sick bomb touchdown. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. That was. That just makes me so happy. It's so, like, how the other guys all run over him, too. Like, it's just so awesome that they're all so aware of, like, when, you know, Peyton Manning makes a record or, you know what I mean? Like, it's very, like, even though they're well, actually, on the did team. did you see what the Broncos did to Peyton yesterday after he got that record? Yeah. They're playing keep away. That was awesome. But it's ball. like, because they love it. But, yeah, yeah. They, they obviously were, you yeah. know, praising him. Yeah, so Brown now has 719 receiving yards this season. 
Le'Veon Bell is behind DeMarco Murray and Arian Foster, number three in rushing yards this yeah. season. So the two of them combined, they had, they both had monster games. Brown had nine receptions for 90 yards. Bell has eight receptions for 88 yards, a touchdown, 12 carries and 57 rushing yards. Right. So do you think those two guys are the most potent running back wide receiver duo in any offense in the NFL right now? Um, I don't know. I mean, if you look around, okay, you have, uh, let's see. Well, you have Marshawn Lynch and, well, no longer Percy Harvin. <laughs> Well, I would have said that, but maybe no. we'll have Chris <laughs> Doug Baldwin, I guess. Chris Ivy and Pierce Frank Gore and Michael Crabtree. Crabtree, okay, Colin Kaepernick, if we're going to go back to the 49ers, <laughs> Colin Kaepernick is a particular quarterback in that he will choose one receiver, two receivers to throw to the entire game. So Crabtree, as good of a receiver as he is, I feel like sometimes does not it does not translate because Kaepernick doesn't throw to him or he'll you know give but him a couple right. targets. The clutch but then he'll have those yeah. big games where he's throwing to him the entire game. So that's mm-hmm. why I'm basing it off of these rankings, the in crazy amount. I mean, obviously DeMarco Murray's crushing everyone oh, Murray's in rushing right now. He's this seven games with a hundred plus rushing yards never been done before. Yeah. Yeah. First Sanders time Sanders hasn't done it. Yeah, yep. so he's definitely on pace. I mean I hope so he Murray gets and Death there. Bryant. You yeah, know? no, exactly. Okay, so do you think oh, yeah. you say, would you say Dez and DeMarco Murray are, are better than Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown? Um, I, I A would better say, duo? As far as, you mean right now who's hot or just in general? Like, who it, would this I, season, who would I take? so far this season, what you've seen between those two, those four guys. I, I would take Bell and Brown. I would, I would take Bryant and Murray, uh, and the, the reason why is even though Bryant, if you look, uh, what was it, the game before last when they beat the Hawks, his stats were not you know, out of this world, right. but he had some of the most critical catches when the game was on the line. If you looked at the, the Cowboys game before that, it was the overtime game when um, he le- uh, Bryant had that ridiculous catch over. I mean, um, even at the Giants game this weekend, he just he makes plays exactly. Yeah. He and he, it's like you know the ball's Beast. going to him. It's it's kind of happening. He's, he's very consistent, mm-hmm. and I feel like there, you know, and, and maybe not age wise, like I don't mean that, but there are older team. Mm-hmm. So they might know each other's strengths and weaknesses more so they know how to play off those. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, but um man, yeah, the Cowboys beat the Giants too. They did. They yeah. did. The Cowboys are 6 and 1. I, I know. Th- no six one thought and that. One. Come on. I mean, I mean, I'm one in six, and I everyone that season's over. But that's yeah, crazy for the Cowboys. I, I know. I think it, it's crazy. It's shocking. But everyone's still waiting for that other shoot to drop. Just real quick, can, I, can I tell you guys? I'm so sorry to cut you off, but you, you know the one loss that the Cowboys did endure the season. To, who that was too, right? Uh, I don't. Uh, what's that team? That one yeah. team what's that, that no one really cares about. The red, the red, that team that the red, red and gold. And the that red weird and, yellow gold. <laughs> That is Bless a, you. <laughs> that was like a half a seat. <laughs> but anyways, that team happens to be a five-time Super Bowl champion. How many of the Jets have? Okay, so anyways. That's I'm not saying. trying to say. You're the one defending your loss. <laughs> hey, we lost. We played a good game. We almost beat the Patriots. We got a field goal block. Happy. It was a really good we game. We didn't butt fumble. It was Thursday. <laughs> Happy. Yeah, you You're know, the one that's got something going on because the team lost. Speaking of I the know. butt fumble, oh, the geez. last time. That, that was the last time. They played on a Thursday. No, no, no. That was oh. the last time that 
so many points were scored in so little time. It, tonight that was broken because there oh, was like they scored twenty four points. Oh, yeah, three. three yeah, yeah, and they said the last time that that happened was the butt fumble. So can't get rid of that freaking butt fumble. But let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about the Steelers I for a second. That real quick, if we can bring it up, yeah. the no. butt fumble. Yes, come it's, on, Stephen, uh, producer, if you're back there, if you can uh, YouTube butt fumble, uh, Mark Sanchez, Jets, and uh, I don't think you'll have to put all that in. I know. Probably if you just put just fumble, fumble. But, yeah, it'll come up. <laughs> anyway, moving on back no. to the Steelers. Yeah, I want to talk about the black Steelers yellow, for a second. Yellow, black and yellow. They're four and three now. Yeah. And they're listen to their three losses. The Ravens, the Bucks, and the Browns. And they got annihilated by the Browns last week. What what is wrong with this Steelers team? Because they to me, they have all the components to make a really strong team. Their defense played really well starting in the second quarter and on. Their offense, they have a very strong offense. So what's wrong with them? Why are they losing to these, I mean, sorry, guys, but these well, lesser teams? on the road? You know, I'm not sure. Um, I, I would say one inconsistency, and even if you just looked at them tonight, as far as inconsistency, excuse me, <laughs> and all this soda I'm drinking, yeah, yeah, hope that Blame it on the show. That out. Um, just to let you, this is live. Whatever happens, happens. We can't edit it out, um, including my belches. So anyways, um, if you saw the way that they start off, they start off slow there. Their, their offense was just lethargic. They couldn't move the ball. Nothing. It was absolutely horrible. Their, their, off- and, their well, offense was non-existent in exactly, that first quarter. Right, like, exactly. Oh, oh the shit. Yes. Yes. Pause on the Steelers. <laughs> Just one more. Oh, boom! Wow. Yeah. And that's the team that's you cheer amazing. for. That's amazing. That's pretty are, bad. Thank you so much, Steve. See, the sad thing is, though, if we would have put that out, if that was a 49ers, you'd be you would have left. <laughs> you would have got up and walked out. At least they could laugh. True. But you know what? That no, wait, would never happen to the 49ers. Oh, stop it. <laughs> I had a good point about that, was that in this game as well, the Steelers didn't create all that momentum without the help of the Texans giving it to them. We had a fun, we had turnovers. Yeah. You know what I mean? We had a big momentum changers. Exactly. Well, they got the ball on the three yard line exactly. twice. So right. it's three and the eight. So it's exactly. like, it's not like they just turned it around and got three and outs. And, you they know what I mean? Like, it, right. yeah, it was like if they couldn't score points and turn that turnover into points when they get on the three and the eight, then Right. I think that turning point was when Timmons sacked Fitzpatrick. That that was that first kind of momentum shift for the Steelers. And then their defense kind of fed off that and started pressuring him a lot more. And that's when we had those two... You know, turnovers right there, giving putting them in perfect field position yeah. to score. And that's what I was going to go back to. Is like at the end of the day, the Steelers just won by one touchdown, right? Which means you know you take away that those three minute twenty four. Yeah, those points. It's a possibility Steelers would have lost this game. Yeah. You know, had it not happened for that. So yeah. I mean, and just not to take anything away from the Steelers win, but they were extremely lucky that they got the ball the four yard yeah. line, and then the subsequent possession was like on the six or seven yard line, and it, they were game. able to get points off of those. So. Yeah. So, you know, but that's I, why I'm saying it's not so crazy that they lost to those other teams because they easily could have lost. The, the Texans tonight. easily could have won this exactly. game if they didn't, you know, somewhat beat themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love Fitzpatrick. 
I love his stature, but his beard mustache, I don't know what he's trying to do there, but yeah, I'm not, that was a distraction. I'm not too sure how I feel about him. Um, he but actually... Kessel, Kessel and him had it bearded out. <laughs> he said who did? Kessel? Kessel? Kessel. Oh, Kessel. Kessel. Oh, Kessel. Sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. I knew I was saying it wrong. Kessel. So, Fitzpatrick is one of two quarterbacks, Kyle Orton being the other one, to start for five different teams. I mean, you can call him a journeyman if you want to, but let, let me ask you guys. Do you think that Ryan's, Ryan Fitzpatrick is the quarterback for the Texans, or do they need to think of a different long-term? I think he could be their franchise quarterback. Really? I do. I do. I think he could be, and maybe this is a stretch, but go with me here. I think he could almost be any franchise quarterback. I think he's good, and he needs better tools. I think he's smart, and and you know I'm a fan of that. He's been to Harvard, and he's athletic as well. And I think that he like he gets into these situations where I feel like a lot of other quarterbacks would panic, and he doesn't. Um, and I think he can run. He's he's one of those quarterbacks for me that again is kind of in this middle ground of the vet that is you know all head and the new quarterbacks that run a lot. I feel like he has the potential to be that. So with the right staff, with the right teammates, he could play anywhere. You know, I, I'm gonna piggyback off of what you said. First of all, Ryan is a very intelligent person, as she said, Harvard graduate. But little known stat. Um, Ryan Patrick actually is the only player to score a 50 on the Wonderlic test. And it's a test that they give um, NFL. Oh, no. He got 49 out of 50. Well, he they got said 49 that. the second time around. Oh, The first okay. time he got a 50. And then they did make him take it. Cause he, and he scored that in like eight minutes or nine minutes was like another record time. And then they he, they had him take it again. He got a 49 the second time. But still, 50 and 49, that's a 99 out of 100 two times. Nobody has even scored. You know, as I think a 48 or 47 is the second highest score. I could be wrong. But he did get the highest. So that just is a uh, testament to how brilliant this guy is. Right. So with that being said... Yes, you know, um, you know, uh, like Stefan said, I agree that he could be a franchise quarterback because he has a brilliant football IQ, and that's one thing that separates the geniuses from, the, like Peyton Manning, brilliant football IQ, Andrew Luck. So I think you know that that's one thing that he does have to his benefit, and I he has think the athleticism his, too. He like does Peyton have the Manning. I think his throwing mechanics are a little off, and I, you saw a lot of inaccuracies with him tonight. Yes. But, um, you know, I don't know if that that's just, a, 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 you know, you can attribute that to the great pass rush that the Steelers were giving him. But I think he's a great quarterback. I think if he lands on the right team and he gets the right amount of weapons around him, right. which he does. I mean, he has a, uh, one of the top three running backs the last five years behind him. And Andre Johnson, who's a, you know, uh, all-pro receiver towards he's the end of his career. hands, but too. But still, yeah. So I think it's possible, but because um, you got to remember, the Texans just two years ago went what thirteen and three or something like mm-hmm. that, or twelve and it's something ridiculous. They had one of the top three records. So this team, you know, is is, is full of potential, and like we saw, they could have won tonight, but they 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 beat themselves. Yeah. So right. I agree with you on the throwing mechanics aspect of Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think that he definitely needs to improve in that area and you saw that tonight because the Steelers were forcing him to throw the ball because they completely shut down Arian Foster mm-hmm. in the second half. Yeah. And you saw but those was- missteps with the receivers. They weren't he wasn't really connecting with anyone mm-hmm. except DeAndre Hopkins and then Andre Johnson a couple times towards the end, but he really was, I don't know, like you said, I don't know if you can attribute that to the Steelers' defense and the good man-to-man coverage, the pass rush, all of that, or if really that's it's just yeah. his mechanics that Well, I'm just saying that a lot of, and correct me if I'm wrong, but as I remember watching the game, the pass either wasn't close or it was right on the money. 
You know what I mean? Like it was, it was like maybe they ran a different route or this other. You know what I mean? Like, but like when I watch the Jets, for example, and I'm not just trying, like the passes are like just a step too far or kind of behind him, so he gets clobbered or here or there. You know what I mean? Like I feel like Fitzpatrick, a lot of his passes are either on or like clearly there was a breakdown somewhere. Like he had you know the defense in his face and he couldn't see. Like there's something rather than just like inaccuracy all over the place. Well, yeah, there was a couple that it was definitely the receiver's fault. Yeah. They should have had, had... some drop balls. Yeah, should have caught yeah. the ball, you know, stuff like that. Um, I, I just... I, I just have a hard time getting fully behind him as a franchise quarterback. I think maybe we need to see a little bit more from him this season because he really hasn't had an opportunity to play with the team much more than one or two years you know, since he's been in the league. I mean, he was with the uh, Bengals, I think, for two years. Mm-hmm. He was with the Titans for one year. The Bills. He was with the Bills for a while. Yeah, the for Bills, two I think, were longest it was, uh, yeah, tenure. One seasons, they were undefeated. They were almost undefeated. They were, like, undefeated the first 12 But it was only, like, like two or three seasons. He has yeah. never really spent a lot of time with a team, therefore hasn't been able to develop that chemistry with mm-hmm. his right. players. So I think we need to see a little bit more from him before I can say he's definitely can be their franchise quarterback. And you know how short of a memory, you know, people have in the NFL. If you are not performing right now... We're going to find Kirk someone Cousins. better. Right, but what exactly. I'm saying is what, what you've just said is the ultimate catch-22. It's like right. we need to see him longer so that we can have him be a franchise quarterback, but if you're not going to see him longer, he's not going to be. So somewhere someone's got to take the bullet and either bet on this guy that he's going to turn into it and just ride it with him or not. Well, you see, you can see the potential there. I think right, that's the that's... only his only saving grace is that you can see that there's potential there, so maybe they will continue see, the, to give him a little bit more. My only thing, though, is once you get to a certain age, at quarterback, yeah. you need to, it's enough with the potential and to start the yep. results. You know, usually your first right. five years, that's pretty much what they grade you on. That's why the Jets stuck, and not just to go to the Jets because you, but that's why they stuck with Sanchez for that period of time because they were like, okay, he took us to the AFC Championship our first two years. This is someone we're banking on. He didn't take on. us in. He's what held us back from getting to the freaking Super Bowl. Can we just get that straight? Okay, well, okay. Antonio <laughs> Holmes's catch uh, was one to help you guys go to the AFC Championship. But at any rate, you we know, had a great. Uh, defense. Um, not to go Jets on you, but anyways, you know, I, no, I, I think you you know you have to stand behind uh, a quarterback and support them. But if they're not, if you don't start to see that within three years, because like you said, it's a very short attention span, or not attention span, but they give you a very short window in order to make uh, impact. And, you know, after a while, if you're not... And you see that with a lot of quarterbacks. Alex Smith, that happened to him with the Niners. Um, and, yeah, um, but that was kind of different. He got hurt, and then Kaepernick came in and just took over. Well, it wasn't like did. he played for three but, years but even, and didn't get see, great results. But even before that, uh, Alex Smith was on the chopping block. This was like, you know, a, a couple of years before they even drafted Kaepernick. He was on the chopping block, and he actually was like this. He, they, he got demoted to second string, and they had someone else, and they were going to try right. to. And then Harbaugh, he came there and totally resurrected that program because Harbaugh was a former quarterback um, and, and who played for the Colts. And uh, But, anyways, uh, what, to, to kind of just go off what you're saying, yes, a franchise. If they're if that's going to be their quarterback, a franchise needs to support them. You can't give the last thing you want is your franchise quarterback to be to not have confidence. You want to instill that confidence in them. The best way to instill confidence in them is believing in them and saying, "Look, you're our starter week after week." As much as Rex Ryan, Rex Ryan said, "That's going to be our starter. He's our starter." You you have to say that. You got to instill the confidence. Right. It's, 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 it's. I think, honestly, with the quarterbacks, too, and, and this is interesting for me, more and more 
of the rookies that are picked first, second, third in the draft mm-hmm. are becoming franchise quarterbacks. And again, I think we talked about this last week or the week before that it's the whole caliber of competition is kind of changing. Oh, yeah. And like, I don't know. Like, if you look at, like, Russell Wilson, he's still kind of new to the game. He's a franchise quarterback. Um, Andrew Luck, franchise quarterback. Kaepernick, franchise quarterback. Like, the newer, Mm -hmm. the people that are getting switched around a lot are the quarterbacks that kind of been around for like six to ten years, like Mm -hmm. in that... That have always been kind of the second string backup quarterback. The second string that got to then go to, yeah. because someone got hurt or whatever. But the guys that are coming in, rookies being stars, are kind of the ones that are making it now to the franchise, which is... Go ahead, what are you going to say? Yeah, no, no, I I, yeah. I, I agree. I, I, but, I mean, you have to look in the NFL, you have to look at the formulas that work for having franchise quarterbacks. You know, if you look the last... 10 years of people that have won Super Bowls. Ben Roethlisberger, franchise quarterback for the Steelers. Eli Manning, New York Giants franchise quarterback. Drew Brees, franchise quarterback for the uh, Saints, even though he was with the Chargers prior to that trade. Um, yeah, but look but- at Russell Wilson last year. He's franchise quarterback, but he's not been around nearly as long as any one of those people. Yeah, but then again, actually no, because Ben Roethlisberger he ran his first um, he ran his first Super Bowl. I want to say in his second or third year um, with the with the Steelers. He, he was fairly yeah fairly new into the league. So I mean, I, I think what it is is now you just have a lot of these newer players coming in, like you said, Andrew Luck and Cam Newton yeah. and Cam Newton. Um, Blake Bortles, uh, Blake Bortles, yeah, yeah, like they're Blake, all you know, it's a different caliber of quarterback. Well, yeah, Johnny Manziel, even though he hasn't played one down this whole year yet. But um, at any rate, you, he's a, <laughs> that's another story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> don't don't get started but, yeah. on Money Manziel over there. Hey, he is one time. of the most explosive college quarterbacks ever. I'll put I'll say that's anybody. On yeah, college, be- he is. Dying. I would take Johnny Manziel over Peyton Manning in college at University of Tennessee. I will take Johnny Manziel over Russell Wilson at you at Wisconsin. I'll take Johnny Manziel over any college quarterback ever. I said it. But you can you can you know attest to that sometimes we can bring up the jets again mark sanchez great in college sucks in the pros yeah carson palmer uh he's actually i shouldn't say he sucks he's he's been doing okay this season the cardinals this year five and one but uh matt leinert usc guy great in college sucked in the pros you know it happens just because you're you know college doesn't always translate to the nfl and i'm not sure if johnny menzel has what it takes to be a dominant quarterback in the nfl i definitely don't see him being a dominant franchise quarterback in the nfl i mean he has a very specific skill set and he has a brilliant skill set and if an offensive coordinator can play to that there's a possibility you can do you know some um Wildcat formations, you can utilize his, his strengths, but I can't see him as, you know, your every down franchise quarterback the next 16 years of a team, like you see with some of the aforementioned that we just um, talked about. Right. But anyways, <coughs> get back to what I'm I saying. I can't remember when we had a franchise quarterback. The Jets, Vinny Testaverde. Kenny, yeah, Kenny O'Brien, Richard Todd. Yeah, Joe Namath. Well, uh, hello, that was like... <laughs> I, that was before we were born, but yeah, still. Yeah. Yeah, we, we could, I don't know. I mean, I think, and, and it's funny you, you speak, that's a good thing to talk about the, um, the Jets because obviously you guys have been turmoil on your franchise quarterback since what 2000 I think it is or right. 2000 well and the point being I think if we would have gotten an Andrew Luck or any team that gets like look at the Panthers before Cam Newton came there yeah, yeah. terrible you know but um anyway. so on the subject of quarterbacks let's talk about Ben Roethlisberger now 
Um, what did you guys think of his performance tonight, Kevin? I'll start with you. You know, uh, you know, with, with first of all, with his with his before, I, I I don't think he didn't do anything bad per se. I don't remember him really turning the ball over a lot. I don't um, I don't believe he had any interceptions. No. Um, I'm going to reference that right now just to make sure I know what I'm talking about for those watching. Yeah, no, he um, didn't have any interceptions. He did get sacked. Uh, I think got, at, at least yeah, three, three, three times. His stats yeah. were modest: twenty three of thirty three, two hundred sixty five yards, two touchdowns. So a typical Ben Roethlisberger game. I mean, uh, you know he. he He's, he's, he, he makes the throws when it matters. Yes. Or if not, he'll throw it off to Antonio, and Antonio will make the throws when right. they matter. But uh, at any rate, he, he ran an efficient offense. You know, and they needed to um, chew up some time, and they needed to control the ball in the second half. He was great at doing that. He stepped into kind of a game manager role in the second half. And, um, you know, you, ju- you just really see the maturation of Ben Roethlisberger through the years, um, particularly tonight. You know, he controlled the offense, and once they got up and got going, you didn't see him trying to go for the Hail Mary or, you know, um, try to go for the, um, you know, being extremely ambitious. He didn't turn the ball over, and that's all you can ask, especially when you have the lead as a quarterback. Your main thing is not to turn the ball over and to continue running efficient offense, and what that's what he did. I felt like he was very accurate with his passing tonight. He... I mean, he's got a cannon of an arm. He can Mm -hmm. really throw it. And he seemed to really be on target, for the most part, with his receivers. And Le'Veon Bell, who is a running back, but caught more receiving pass yards this year. Yeah, more receiving yards this game than he did rushing yards. Yeah. Um, He's... And Ben even said in the post-game interview that Le'Veon Bell is the most dynamic back in the NFL right now. Yeah. DeMarco Murray, did you hear that? Okay, but I don't have DeMarco Murray's, you know, receiving Reception yards stats. versus yeah. rushing yards. Obviously, we know Murray is a beast rushing, but I'd be interested to see those stats because, to me, I mean, he's... I think he is one of, if not the top, most dynamic back in the NFL Strictly because he can catch and get so many yards after carry after catch, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I don't know. Do you can you think of another person, another running back in the league right now that is more dynamic in that sense than Le'Veon Bell? Well, another person that comes to mind, and granted, he doesn't catch as many receptions out of the backfield, but when he does, you've seen the danger is Marshawn Lynch. You know, he's more of a power, True. strong yes. running back, but he does. You know, there's there's quite a few times when uh, Wilson will hit him on a short screen, and he's he's deadly once he gets to the open field. So, um, you know, he, he he's great out of the backfield. Also, you know, um, Sproes, he's really good out of the backfield. Backfield, even though he doesn't line up as a running back every play, but he's one of the most versatile backs, I think, in the league because he returns punts as well. Um, who else? Uh, um, or Ivory? No, I'm just kidding. And also, Arian Foster, who's a great He actually caught a Foster's touchdown pass. Good. Yes. He got a touchdown pass today. So, you know, I, I guess the question is, you know, which backs are more dual threats as far as receiving and rushing? Then, um, yeah, you know, I, I would say Bell definitely uh, put his name amongst the top of that with his performance tonight. Well, real quick, to go back to Roslesburg, because I didn't get to put my two cents in there, I think the difference between him, too, is that he has a full tool belt. 
He has things to do, and he's not scared. Like, he knows when to do what. Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't panic. He stays in the pocket. He's a big, strong dude. You know what I mean? He's so it's like, like a linebacker. <laughs> yeah, he is. So he's not scared to let him get real close and take that extra minute. Not minute, but you know what I mean? Like, take that extra time in order to see what play makes the most sense, which I think creates situations for players to do things that they normally wouldn't do, like to go out for the little pass or whatever. You know what I mean? And I feel like he's not. He just makes he makes stuff happen that you mm-hmm. wouldn't. He uses everyone. He utilizes his right. team. There's a reason Very he has two Super yeah. Bowl rings, and it's a reason he's one of only two quarterbacks right he's now a in beast. the league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, that just, that just speaks to who he is. Um, but yeah, you know, and, and Ben is like one of those kind of guys that you could see he's very poised, you know, right. especially um, upon the lead. He's very poised. You don't have to worry about him making Romo like mistakes, you know, even though they are six and one. So that wasn't a good jab there. But at any rate, mm-hmm. you know, um, he, you know, he's someone, a head coach. He's a comfort zone for a head coach because a head coach knows, look, if I have Roethlisberger in there, at least the last quarter we're up, I know he's going to make wise decisions. I don't have to worry about him throwing a pick six right now and losing the game or, you know, putting us in a, uh, in a bind. So, uh, like I said, his maturation process has just been incredible yeah. watching him the last, you know, 10 years. I agree. I think he had a, definitely had a strong performance tonight. Um, uh, the other back in this game that was, pretty incredible for the most part in the first half Arian Foster we talked about him he has now 2900 yard rush games since 2010 more than AP more than Le'Veon Bell more than LaShawn McCoy well, we know if AP was playing this year you know yeah that's true but yeah. you know he's yeah. not so sorry <laughs> oh <laughs> um, snap I like but, it. Ray Rice was playing this year, I'm saying, you know, he that's another good duel back, Ray Rice, as far as yeah, rushing and Well, you know, you can't F up outside of the true. football field yeah, I, and then, you yeah. know We you could have been so good. <laughs> we we could have seen so much. I mean, luckily we have all these other guys out here doing work. Um even though not to go off subject, but has Flacco not been stepping up the last you know, in yeah. did you see dude threw like what he had five touchdowns in the yeah. first quarter like the first or the half. first half. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, okay, well, apparently he's not missing Ray Rice. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, and that's it's another... He can do with exactly. what he's got. That's another the thing that I really think, you know, shows and illustrates a great quarterback is someone that despite key losses can still go out there. Tom Brady did it last year. He had nobody and was out there making plays. And, and you see Flacco stepping up and doing it. Yeah, so. they the, actually, I don't know if you guys heard this, but the commentators mentioned that tonight. There was a play and someone didn't get, one of the Texans didn't get to, uh, I think, Brown's catch from the Steelers. Could have been somebody else. And you could see that he was like pissed off because oh, yeah, clearly, it was DJ Swearinger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, clearly somebody else was supposed to go out. It was a coverage out. breakdown. It was covered right, too, and he was supposed to go out and cover that. Right, and my point is that the commentators are like, you can't, like, if your teammate makes a mistake, you gotta pick up the slack and go yeah. get it. You can't just stand there and complain, and I feel like a lot of these, what we're talking about Flacco and stuff, a lot of these guys are like, okay, this is, something happened, Let's we can't just complain about it and be like, well, we'd be better if such and such was on the team. They're just figuring out what they need exactly. to do with what they got, and exactly. that's a winner. I mean, yeah. I know that sounds cheesy, but that's a winner, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, Swearinger is is a hothead. He's had some issues. We saw in Hard Knocks. Yes. He was, you know, chomping at the bit to somebody um, on the Falcons during one of the preseason games. And as a rookie, I mean, I guess it's cool to, you know, come out there and... 
you gotta prove yourself. Sh- prove be yourself. Loud. But yeah. then, you know, you it, it, does there come a, a line that you don't cross? Like, I feel like maybe he needs to shut his mouth a little bit and focus more on the play because exactly like Steph Agreed. said, the commentators all said, why is he yelling? That's it's it's his team. Like you need to step up. If your team something happens, you step up. You don't yell about it. Yeah. That's not going to help. You know the play. Personally, I just think it showed a little bit of immaturity. Yes. You know, as a veteran, especially as a veteran NFL, you know, football player. You know, you you don't you don't first of all you don't immediately point blame at somebody else and start pointing to them and saying you're wrong and all that. You, you don't like, do that in life. Period. You well, shouldn't. You shouldn't. Unless, of course, you're running for a political party and you have to point the opposition's Still. fault. But, yeah, at any rate, yeah, you should not do it. It's not a good thing. Not a way to live your life, you know. Um, take a, be a, have accountability. But with that, with that being said, you know, to be a leader, I think it's taking that accountability. And he, honestly, looked like he was throwing a tantrum on the field after yeah, that yeah, touchdown. He was. <laughs> he literally was just like crying and stuff. Like, dude, calm down. Right. But, you know, but, but with that, you know, I'm going to just play devil's advocate and say, well, with that, I do kind of like that because I always appreciate passion and aggression on the football field. Now, people illustrate their passion and aggression in various different ways, or emotion, shall I say. Because football is an emotional game. So I, I, I can respect people that get emotional with the game because it does show their passion for it. So I kind of appreciate that in a way. And if I was his coach or defensive coordinator, I would have told him about that. But... I still think that he handled it unfairly. He could have maybe went off the sideline and yelled at them off. I there. think it's time. Exactly. I think it's timing because, like, we saw this in Hard Knocks too. When Co- uh, what was the defense coordinator's coach? Uh, Brian Cox. Yeah, yeah, Coach Cox was yelling at him, and all. it was like we got into a big conversation because he was really grilling him. And I totally get what you're saying. And I feel like there is a time and a place for a quote unquote tough love and to put people in their place and figure it out. It's not on the field. Yeah, yeah you know that what I mean. Tacky. Like you had, like you're only as strong as your weakest player out there. Yeah. So it's like you got to just get it together. You can be aggressive and you can emote, but emote in a way that will make something happen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like constructive criticism rather than just sit there and look like a five year old baby's on a tantrum. <laughs> <laughs> he really did. He well, did. Like he was in Toys R Us in like an aisle, and he couldn't get a toy. Exactly. They Spe- sold so out. Speaking, <laughs> there's no more Pokemon. Speaking of a leader on that defense, and someone who is accountable J. for their J. actions, yes, Watts. Mr. JJ Watt. He tonight when nice he had segue. thank you that was, yeah. when Jeez. he had that um, I think it was a false start or offsides or whatever it was that was clearly his fault. And he, you saw him going, you know, my bad, guys, my bad, that was me. And being accountable, like, okay, yeah, I screwed up there, but let's move on to the next play. Actually, previously, he had just sacked uh, Roethlisberger, and then he had that, I, I think, maybe adrenaline going. He kind of was just, like, amped off that sack. But my question for you guys is, do you think J.J. Watt is a legitimate MVP candidate? You know, I, I, I'll put it like this. First of all, we know historically getting an MVP as a defensive player is very rare. There's only been two. Extremely. Lawrence Taylor was the last defensive player in 1986. Exactly. For the Giants. And I I think part of the reason is is because we're such an offensively productive league now, if you look at, you know, the way that the league is from back then. So um, as a defensive player... The way that the game is played now, as a defensive player, can you single-handedly have that much of an impact where you can win games through your defensive abilities? And nowadays, you, or at least nowadays in the NFL, you see great defensive players don't get it twisted. But 
it's very difficult now to have a, a, defensive, a defensive player that can single-handedly take over the game and prove that he's the most valuable person, not just on that team, but in the league. So I think it will be difficult. Now, is that fair to defensive players? No, that just means that they have to be extreme. They need to you know, step up. If you got eight interceptions last season, get 12 this season yeah. if you're a defensive back. But, yeah. I, but as difficult as that is, I think he could be a candidate. I mean, some of his so – they were saying, like, he um, he caused, like, 14 turnovers already this season. Like, he's just – I don't know if he's on track for the same amount as LT, but he's got a lot of stuff. He's just beast. He deflects pass. He gets in there. He's a leader. And you know what? I think that – I get it. Like, offense wins games. Defense wins championships. Like, why should that be so hard to well, believe? Okay, now this is the one problem. The Texans will – probably will not be winning any championships this year. And a lot of times when the MVP is given out, the team, how the team does, kind of plays into effect of who right. It can play into effect, but it also can work for his benefit because he'll stand out a lot more. Because so, he's the only thing on that team making big things happen. Let me give you guys a couple of stats on Watt. Break it down. So petition. he is the fourth player in NFL history and the first in more than 50 years with a touchdown reception, interception return touchdown, and fumble recovery touchdown. He is the first defensive lineman with three touchdowns in a season since William the Refrigerator Perry. Perry. He Bears. had three rush touch- touchdowns for the Bears in 85, yes. Oh, I was like, his number no. was not 85. No, no. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was 72. 72 no yeah. defensive <laughs> lineman has ever scored three return touchdowns in one season. So I think these are all of the factors that are adding into his candidacy for MVP because nobody else in the league, no other defensive player is doing anything like this. And he even, Watt almost had an offensive touchdown tonight, except Andre or uh, Arian Foster caught it instead. He was right behind him, though. He lined up on offense. So I think those are all of the factors that are adding to whether or not he is a legitimate candidate. And um, I think those factors are saying that his team thinks he's a legitimate candidate. You know, like there's no reason that he needs to go in for a little pass into the end zone. You know what I mean? Like but if he had that statistic as well, it only helps the case. Right. I mean, for well, I don't know really much how much that would help his his case on a defensive end, the fact that well, he just lined up at he's tight an MVP. And yeah, but just said he's an MVP and he's versatile that he can and he do can anything, use him anything yeah. anywhere. Okay, let me see him play quarterback. Right. Let me see him kick field goals. Right. But anyways, you know, okay, so if you're making the case for... Extreme! I I, I just wanted to. But if you're making the case, okay, for who the best utility player is in the NFL, okay, yeah, but I mean, is it do we do we grade an MVP off of all the things that we they can do? Because, for example, we've seen Percy Harvin do a lot of things. We've seen Darren Sproles do a lot of things. But I think it's by what you do, how does that affect your team, and how does that produce wins for for your team. And if you, by doing all these things, are not producing wins for your team, then at the end of the day, how valuable are you? Right. So. I think that the reason why he's his name is being thrown into the conversation, aside from those stats and all that stuff that I mentioned, he is the only defensive player doing that in the NFL right now and in recent years. So I feel like they kind of have to throw him into that yeah. At least in the conversation. Who else? You, who else do you think it would be at this point? Right now, if you had to pick three other people, the MVP of the league right yeah. now, I'd say Philip Rivers or Demarco Murray. What about you? But, um, I would say Aaron Rodgers. 
because he, he's yeah, Aaron Rodgers. That that that, that came as a shock. That fake spike two weeks ago showed me. But no, um, you know, I I, I would say uh, Philip Rivers, obviously, because I mean, just look at his stats and his W's. Um, I would say uh, Demarco Murray, and I would say. Uh, so you'd say what she said. Basically, <laughs> you, you, okay, and I would say, uh, but see, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say JJ Watt though. I would not, put, I would not put it in. And first of all, no. I'm not knocking by no means JJ Watt. You know, uh, unequivocally, the best defensive player right now. If he doesn't win MVP, obviously defensive player of the year right. or other defensive uh, awards. Clearly, he's going to sweep up in. Um, but you know, when you uh, when you look at other things, when you look at who else is playing good football, it's like who you know who else is winning for their teams and who else is doing things that is making their team win and I look at people like Murray I look at people like Rivers um you know even you know you look at people like Geno Smith who are pathetic um I just wanted to say that that has nothing to do with what we're talking about but um you know um I love you Steph but at any rate hey man I don't take it personal like you I'm all good you can hate my team as much as you want we're terrible but I still uh, go on but 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 no the reason and the reason why I I do say Aaron Rodgers and you kind of looked at me like that is because you know if you look at Aaron okay granted yeah Green Bay right now is not Five and uh, not five and one. They're not undefeated. But if you look at the way that, especially the you know the last three weeks that they've been playing, and you know his, his capabilities, I have no doubt in my mind that by the end of the season, especially with teams like San Francisco, no, but that's not the, the question. Seahawks, the question was right today. Who would you give it to? I would still give it to Aaron Rodgers. Really? I would okay. still give it to Aaron Rodgers. Or I, I mean, I I, I truly think that. He, well, obviously he's single-handedly responsible for um, the wins that they've had this year. And, um, you know, I, I would like, earlier I wanted to throw Andy Dalton in there because, man, they were the Bengals were looking good. But as of, yeah, the last two or three weeks, they just mm-hmm. kind of plop fizzled. See, I was You want to give it to Tony Romo? Just kidding. <laughs> Tony, you know, Des Bryant. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from him. De- that's Des the Bryant, thing is there are so many, I know, that's so really many players yeah, right I now. I know, I just wanted to Jordy hear Nelson, you, you know, you can't say Aaron Rodgers single-handedly held the Packers. Exactly. Jordy Nelson is beasting it right now for the Packers. He is, I agree. So, yeah, I take him. He's a monster. That's the, the beauty of this is there are so many weeks left, so you never know what could happen. I pray all these guys stay healthy and continue with this dynamic insane, outrageous play because it's so fun to watch. Mm-hmm. All these games in these past couple of weeks have been great. I mean, we haven't really had too many blowouts per se. I mean, besides Except the, the Broncos and the Niners, yeah. But there's been no, a couple... The, the Bengals actually No, I know, out. I'm kidding. Oh, okay, Thank No, you. but there's been there's been a lot more, Thank like... I was about to go ham, you saw that. Very close games, a lot of competition, fierce competition, you know, fighting. It's, it's fun to watch. That's the kind of stuff you want to see. You don't want to see a blowout every time. So it's nice to see these players playing so well, helping their teams out, all the teams playing so well, fighting against each other, you know, Creating all this exciting football for us to watch. Exactly, and that's 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 why we're looking now. Out of curiosity, can I ask uh, who would you guys say your dark horse MVP candidate would be? Um, By the way, Tony Romo would be a good one. Yeah, I was gonna. That's what I was gonna say. I think um, you know I want Tony Romo to do good this season. As much as like, I don't know. I kind of want him to do good. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Okay. That's what I mean. I don't know. 
Dark Horse MVP. It's it's tough to say because mm-hmm. I mean there's just so much so much season left. So like I said, anything could happen. Gina Smith. Definitely not Gina Smith. <laughs> um but I don't know. Matt Maybe Sims. Randall Cobb has been playing really, really well as well True. for the Packers. And he's, I think Jordy Nelson's kind of taking the mo- majority of the spotlight right now. But mm-hmm. I think Cobb ha- is just as consistent and doing just as well in every game, too. So I guess I could go with him for my Dark Horse mm-hmm. MVP. I like it. I let's, like let's go into news because there's a couple of things I want to talk about. Let's get let's get down to after us. TV news. So, I don't know if you guys heard about the locker room debacle with the Bears right now. And Brandon Marshall came out after this last game where they scored. I I don't even remember who they played, but they only scored 14 points and they lost. And he came out and said, it's unacceptable. This is unacceptable. It's unacceptable. He said, it's unacceptable about five times. Then he started naming off players. He said, we have Alshon Jeffrey. We have Martellus Bennett. We have Matt Forte. We have so-and-so, so-and-so. How are we only scoring 14 points? This is unacceptable. Basically, naming everybody in their offense but Jay Cutler. So there's lots of rumors flying around right now that there is a, you know, rift between Marshall and Cutler who are good friends outside of the field or off the field as well. And there is also talk that the uh, coach is kind of losing control of that team and losing control of that locker room because he says, oh, yeah, there's nothing going on between Cutler and Marshall. Everything's fine. But clearly there's not. And there also was a lot of like yelling heard in the locker room right before those post-game interviews. Like the, uh, Robbie Gould was trying to get in the middle of, of, of Brandon Marshall yelling at someone and somebody heard someone say, you're just the kicker, you know, shut the F up basically. Mm-hmm. And so there's just a lot of turmoil in that Bears locker room. What are your opinions on that? I feel like I heard there was always drama with Marshall because he was at the Dolphins before now and like keeping well, rivalry with the Jets. We always keep track of them. So I feel like there's, I've heard like other. Yes, when similar. he was with the Dolphins, he was kind of a train wreck. And yeah. he has come out, he has bipolarism and or bipolar disorder or whatever. And he has now kind of gotten a hold of that and take, is, as far as we know, taking his med- meds consistently. Yeah, we heard that there was stuff happening. Right. Yeah. So pr- prior to moving to Chicago, yes, there was a lot of issues with Brandon Marshall. But since he's been in Chicago, it's been a very good environment for him until now and these kind of you know, things are are coming to light. Um, I, I kind of agree with him in one sense, though, because they do have a tremendous amount of talent on that offense. So what I wouldn't necessarily say it's Jay Cutler. We just talked about the Bears a few weeks ago and how great Jay Cutler played. So this, this, see, this is the thing. This is the thing. Let's just get down to it. This part of the season, we're going in week seven, week eight. Okay, we'll be in week eight, correct? Yes. Uh, coming up this, this this upcoming week. Thursday. Yeah. yeah, you you're pretty much halfway through the season. There's only seventeen weeks. We're week eight through, and this is the part of the season where things start to play out. You know, as far as okay, teams starting to realize that their chances of making the playoffs are pretty much slim. Some teams have pretty much already been eliminated um, or all but eliminated. So, you know, it, it's a very high. 
um, a very high emotional atmosphere right now because everybody wants to win. You know, by this time into the season, things should be clicking. That chemistry that you went through with the preseason back in June, July, August should be clicking. You shouldn't be halfway into your season and having these um, problems where you can't execute on offense or where you have players that aren't, you know, doing their respective jobs efficiently. All that should have been done with a long time ago. So I think for uh, for Marshall, and it's not to excuse his behavior, but I, you know, but like I said earlier, the emotions of the game. I think, well, as we see, Marshall's a very emotional player. We actually started before he got to uh, Miami when he started off on Denver. Um, because I, everyone wondered why did they trade Marshall from Denver to Miami when he just had one of the best years of his life there. But somebody like that, kind of like a Terrell Owens, unfortunately that's very emotional, can be cancerous to a locker room. Not saying it's going to happen with Percy Harvin, but you do have to realize these kind of individuals can, you know, ignite that kind of issue in the locker room. So, well, but we, we also too, and I feel bad a little bit for Brandon Marshall because he's had a past. We all jump to that he's just like there could have been something that set him off. Like there could have been. There's of course not everything we read is true. Like true. let's be clear. So it's no, like, but that was he. That was his interview. So he clearly he said all that stuff. It is true. That. But you know what? Right, what, but the, who knows what happened right before that? Who right, knows what what's, was, what's what not was been, said before. Right, the provoking yeah. whatever. So it's yeah. like, I feel like just because this guy's had problems in the past, we're so quick to point the finger at him rather than be like, well, what happened? Did something happen on the field? Did something happen here? Like, I don't think just out of nowhere he just went into the locker room and started screaming at people. No, no, no. I, I don't, mean, I'm not pointing the finger at him. I, like I said, I agree with him that something's wrong because they do have so much talent. They should be able to produce more than 14 points a game. But I don't agree with how he handled it. I don't think he should have said all of that and named all those names to the media because, of course, that's just going to cause all kinds of drama and ignite some feuds that maybe weren't even there in the beginning. But when he was saying the name of the names to the media, he was he was giving them props, saying, look, we're a great player. We have you. Right. So he named everyone on the offense but Jay Jay Cutler, basically saying that it's Jay Cutler's fault, that they're playing bad. I don't know whether or not that was an implication. It it clearly could have been. But at the end of the day, I just look at it as as just motivation. That was just his way of motivating him. Did he have to publicly do it in front of reporters? Why on there? No, but at the end of the day, he's saying, look, guys, we're a damn good team. We have some damn good offensive weapons, and there's no reason why we damn cannot be winning. Yeah. And that's that's just what he always said. You know, he, he was, he was uh, like I said, he, he doesn't always say the brightest things at the, the best times or say the appropriate things at the best time. But I understand where he's coming from, and I actually support him on the statement, and I hope that this, they uh, the Bears use this as fuel to motivate that locker room. If there are any issues in there to use this to bring some, you know, amicable uh, reso- um, cohesion. Uh, yeah, cohesion. Or resolution. Resolution to it. Thank you. Right. Um, <laughs> Everyone, please look at this new graphic we have. This show oh is now called gosh. Kevin John Talks About How His Teams Are the Best. So speaking <laughs> of teams that are best. With Stepsy, who Wait. likes the Jets that suck. Let's, let's, let's move into predictions. Alright, let's do it. And yeah, what do we have for next week? Niners. What are, what Predictions. Are we? Where's our music? Steven. Steven. See, he's so busy Steven's over there busy talking about the Kevin John. Yeah. Now, speaking of that. Hey, you know, can Steven only do so many things at once, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be picking I on thought you were Inspector Gadget. <laughs> yeah. Go, go, Gadget. All right. So, next week, we have the Cowboys and the Redskins. And there are rumors circling that RG3 will make his comeback for the Cowboys game. 
Absolutely not. That'd be the worst so? decision, worst idea. When they try to it put it back. It would be a bad idea, but I don't think that they, I wouldn't put it past him for doing that. What's the point? See, that's the problem with the Redskins. They never give RG3 time to fully recover and rehabilitate his ankle. They keep trying to rush him back in there and they keep getting the same result. What's the definition of insanity? Doing, doing the, same the same thing, thing over and over yeah. again, expecting different results. Yeah. Redskins, Gruden, if you're listening, take note. <laughs> Let RG3 rest. I know that they have some uh, contraback, uh, Connor, uh, Quarterback controversy with um, Kirk Cousins and now and, Colt McCoy. Uh, Colt McCoy yeah. And I understand they're trying to get that worked out, and that's kind of the reason they're trying to rest RG3, but please, take your time with RG3. Who take do you think is going to win? Cowboys. Yeah. Easily. Steph? I'm going to go with Cowboys. I will third that and say I, the Cowboys. Time that we've all- I might think the Redskins are going to win, though. I feel like Tony Romo's due for a butt fumble. I'm, no, I, he's not Mark Sanchez. I just don't think that the Redskins I, have enough to defeat the Cowboys with the momentum. Where are they that, playing? Um, in the, Dallas. That's why I think uh, there's yeah. all I'm the talks the Cowboys, because RG3 yeah. is from Texas. And right. the Cowboys-Redskins, I guess, is always a big game. Um, I, I'm going to go with... it's a Thanksgiving game, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Because remember what RG3 did to the Cowboys two years ago on Thanksgiving? Aren't they, are they playing Torch on Thanksgiving? Them. No, this year on Thanksgiving, the 49ers, the 49ers are playing... The yeah, the Seahawks, yeah. which I think... Yeah, but there's another game. Santa Clara at the new stadium. There's a new game, too. That, there's another game. There's not just one Because usually the Lions always play on Thanksgiving, too. Usually the Lions oh, always the Lions play. play, too. Yeah. I thought it was always Cowboys-Redskins. Nah, I mean they had before, but I don't. Cowboys usually always play on Thanksgiving, and the Lions always play on Thanksgiving. Those are the two teams that typically always play, but their opponents sometimes vary. Well, maybe they're changing it up now because the West Coast teams are much better. There, there you go. West Coast is the best coast. Oh, and here's uh, another so, new graphic. So you guys Steph, are both. Look at that, Steph. Steph, you're, Steph? you're getting your there's own three specialized. Games. Yes, Steph Z loves the Jets. So there's actually three games on Thanksgiving. It's Seahawks, 49ers, Cowboys, Eagles, Bears, Lions. Cool. Okay, so these right. are the two games, or are we just going to bet on Monday Night Football? We're just talking about Monday Night Football. All right. Sweet. Because what else is there in life but Monday Night Football? Steph Z loves the Jets. Oh, my yes. God, I want a picture with that. You guys, tell everyone where they can find that. you, please. <laughs> uh, I'm Kevin John. You can find me on Twitter, at HeyKevinJohn, or my website. It's KevinJohn.com. Please read my blogs. I write them for you. Hey guys, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at I am Steph Z with an F. And actually, I would love if you would go there, click on the link, and give me a vote. Go check it out. I need your votes. And I am Christina Kaplan. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Tina Cap. And go to iTunes. Make sure you vote or vote. Talking about stuff. Rate, comment, tell a friend. It's very easy. Continue your comments here on our YouTube oh, yeah. video as and well. I want to shout out yes. to the Reg Love Core. Yes, R E G L A V C O R. You're the best. I love that you like the Jets. Now we're terrible. I need I need people to feel for me and thank you. Thanks for watching, man. See you next week. Peace. Bye. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.